This is a sermon by Pastor Jason at Reality Church. Join us as he continues his series in Romans. Amen. Good to, good to be in the house with the people I love dearly. You are my family, and I love you all. Um, Sister Linda, the precious gift that you gave me is a brand new preaching Bible. Wonderful. Love it. One column, big font. That's all I ask, and that is so helpful when you're trying to preach. So, so glad to have it. Um, been, been wanting it ever since it was announced that it was going to be made, so through precious gift of Sister Linda, I was able to actually buy that, and I'm really appreciative. Um, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the teaching last week. Um, I've been actually chewing on it all week, just the teaching. You know, I took, I, I don't just, I don't just read a verse and decide what I'm going to preach. I like to study it out. I like to dig in. I like to see what other people have said about these verses. And the things that we learned last week are some of the foundations of what give us peace as Christians. So I dug and dug and dug into that, and I have just chewed on it all week. And I felt such an awesome peace of God through what was preached last week. You know, we are truly justified by the grace of God through faith alone in Christ alone. And that is really the most glorious doctrine of the church, the doctrine of justification through faith alone in Christ alone. We um, celebrated Reformation Day yesterday as we were leaving uh, a little get-together last night about 11 o'clock. I hollered at uh, Jesse and Jolene. I said, happy Reformation Day, guys. And, and that's what I celebrated yesterday. I celebrated Reformation Day. Reformation Day, um, it was the, actually the 503rd anniversary of Martin Luther taking a hammer and nailing the 95 Theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg. Now, here's the thing. He didn't just go up and deface the church by putting a nail in the door. There was a bulletin board on the door that people could put things up and bring up topics. So he wasn't like doing graffiti and defacing anything. He, he, had, a, he had a genuine grievance and wanted to have a discussion. But here's the thing. If Martin Luther had never done that, it's very likely we wouldn't be in this church right now. And he sparked a conversation that is still going on as we reform the church and bring it closer to what the Word of God says. So I, I, justification by faith was actually one of the main tenets of the, of the Protestant Reformation. Um, the church of the time, the main church, the Roman Catholic Church, taught that they are justified by faith plus works. And Martin Luther read in Scripture that we are justified by faith in Christ alone. The just shall live by faith. So we should all be really thankful for them because many of them were called heretics. They were derided, cast out of churches. Many of them were tied to stakes and burned. All because they believed 
that Christ was the head of the church and that the Bible needed to be in the hands of a believer, not just in the hands of a priest. So there's my spill. There's your history lesson for the, for the, for the morning. But the text last week not only made that, wonder, that wonderful doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone, it, it not only made that clear, but it also points to another essential of our faith, and that's that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, he sanctifies us. He keeps us in the word of God. He, he brings these word, the word that we study, the word that we hear from a pastor, the word that we read. He brings those things to our remembrance, which helps us to be guided in our lives in sanctification. It enables us to do the good works that God has prepared beforehand. I'm so thankful for God, the Holy Spirit. So we all need to be thankful to God for this, because guess what? We couldn't do it on our own. You're not going to be able to figure out how to keep the law and be good without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. But now, in today's text, Paul is going to give us a before and after. I love it when Paul does this. This is one of my favorite things he does. He gives a before and after of before and after Christ in a snapshot of two verses. And Paul, also in these verses, uses... My favorite two words in all of Scripture. Matt knows what they are. But now. Those are my favorite two words to see in Scripture. Because that means so much when one of the authors uses but now. So now, let me read to you the verses. Now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God, Romans 7 Five and six. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Let us pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your word. We are thankful for the reformers who died to make sure that we can have it in our language. God, we are so glad that we have it. God, we thank you for the access that we have to it. We ask you right now, Father, to remove the veil that we may see a clearer revelation of who you are and who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is in this scripture. Bless us with that revelation knowledge that we may retain it and that we may use it in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, illuminate this scripture for us. Illuminate this teaching. As I move out of the way, and let you have your work in our people. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now these two verses are not just important to this chapter, okay? These two verses are actually Important to the whole of Scripture. This is illuminating something to us, a a life before Christ and a life after Christ, that gives us a great distinction of how we are to live. How we are to understand what God is showing us through the great doctrines that Christ preached and then was continued on by all of the writers of the epistles. So, 
I want to break this down verse by verse and phrase by phrase. Now, here's the thing about it. I studied this verse, these verses. I love these verses. But even what I say, I don't think could actually give you the full importance and power of these verses. They are so important. I hope that what I can teach you will help illuminate it for you through the Holy Spirit. But man, there's so much in this. And I don't even know that I could give you enough oomph to show you how much there is in this. It's so beautiful if you'll listen. Let's go to verse 5 first. The before. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Like I said, before Christ. Let's break it down. Let's take this phrase. For while we were living in our flesh. Listen, before Christ, there is no doubt in my mind what kind of person I was. Before Christ, there is no doubt in my mind what any person is. Okay? It's made very clear. No matter who gets up and tells you, well, people are really good at heart. Listen, without Christ, we have a heart of stone. We are dead in our trespasses. Let's, let's go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about this, about how we are before Christ. Y'all ready for this? Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. But Pastor Jay, you already preached that. Yes, but it's still good. You ready? As it is written. So Paul is fixing to quote Scripture in Scripture. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is, in, is, is, is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is our state before Christ. We are not good. We wonder why there are riots in the streets. There are things being burnt. There are people being murdered. We wonder why these things happen. There's a simple explanation. No one is good. We all, before Christ, are in sin. That's what's going on. There's no hope for this world outside of Christ. None. None. So, we aren't good. We're living in our flesh. And we're trying to fulfill our own lustful desires. Again, before Christ, this is absolutely true of us. We're wicked. We're wretched. And the only hope we have is in a Savior. It's the only hope we have. The first part of understanding the gospel is understanding that God is holy and you are not. God is good, absolutely, and we are not. We must understand that first. So let's look at the next, the next part of that, of that scripture. The next phrase is, our sinful passions 
aroused by the law. Now this, this is an interesting verse. This is an interesting phrase. Our sinful passions aroused by the law. And it's hard for us to think of the law as something that would stir us up to sin, right? Because it's, it's good. The, word, the law of God is, is, is holy, just, and good, right? It absolutely is. We know that it is. Thou shalt not kill is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Those things are beautiful. But let's go back to our childhood. Y'all ready? Some of y'all who weren't born in the 80s are actually kind of close to your childhood as, as, as I look at it. Um, what if you're, say, five, six, seven years old, and somebody comes up to you and says, don't you go past that line. What is the first thing you want to do? You, you could have a whole playground and you tell kids and you tell the kids the whole playground playground equipment you tell the kids you can't go past this line I'm a teacher I know exactly what's going to happen every kid in that grade is going to be right by that line acting like right that's what they're going to do they're absolutely going to do that you were going to do, you would do that. Maybe even at this age, you would do that. Why? It's easy. It's our sinful nature. Listen to me clearly. I still struggle with it. You still struggle with it. You tell me not to do something. That's the first thing I want to do. You tell me I have to do something, that's the first thing I don't want to do. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes, that's a good thing. Sometimes, gets us in a little trouble. Sometimes, gets us in a lot of trouble. But most of all, it's just because of our nature. But listen, the fact that the law tells us to do good, and we can't do it, and in fact, our nature wants to push against it and do the opposite... Does that make the law evil? Absolutely not. Because the law is holy. It is just. And it is good. And it points to a morality that is wonderful. What it means that we struggle against the law and want to do what it says not to do is this. It means that we're evil, that we're wicked, that our desires are wrong. Jesse, you're about to drive these women nuts. Okay? You're shaking your leg, and we, all we hear is tink, 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 tink. For those of you listening afterwards, that's what's happening, okay? These women are sitting there looking at each other, and they're fixing to come get you. All right, so... The fact that we fight against a law that tells us what to do is because of our sin nature. The fact that Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. 
The things I don't want to do is what I end up doing. This is the struggle with our sin nature. Why? Because we were born in sin. And before Christ, we would just do it. Right? you just do it. Now, the last phrase of this is, we're at work in our members. We're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. What was at work in our members? Sinful passions. Sin. Right? But listen, sin has a very clear and direct effect on us. Absolutely clear and direct. For the wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23, correct? Sin is a life of death that leads to eternal death. That's what sin does. Let's be honest about sin. I love what Brian Chappelle says. Why do we sin? Because we love it. That's why. But here's the thing. Though sin, it makes us feel good sometimes as it works in our members, right? It is nothing but death. Lustful passions, sometimes they make us feel good. The desire to go and just knock somebody's head off and, and, and to maybe even do it sometimes feels good, right? It feels good. Gives those endorphins, right? Gives you that, that good feeling. But listen, it is death. Before Christ, that's what we lived in. Constantly seeking what makes me feel good. What makes me have a good time. What, what makes me enjoy this time that I have. And the reason that sin was doing that is because we weren't in Christ. Now, this verse points out a clear picture. I think for all of us, our inability to be justified in ourselves. We have no ability to be justified in myself and do good enough to be justified before Christ. We can't earn our way into justification. Without Christ, there's absolutely no hope. And guess what? That's the bad news. Let's read verse 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Are you ready for the good news? The good news is that we begin this verse with the two most powerful words in Scripture, but now. Okay? These two words are my absolute favorite words in the Bible. I absolutely love when I see these words because there is power in these words. These words say that everything that has passed before is now done away with and what comes after is what's true. That happened, that's the English language. You have a conjunction. If you can say the worst thing, like uh, Brother James the other day said, you've been diagnosed with cancer, but it's easily treatable. 
your son or daughter was in a wreck, but they're just fine. That but takes away all of the evil that passes before and shows the goodness of what comes. But now is basically what Jesus is in our lives. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The wrath of God completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, but now I'm seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. That's why I love that song so much. Because it's got a but now in it. So what comes after that but now? Because that's what's true for us if we're in Christ. It's this. We are released from the law. Now get ready. Because we're fixing to answer, answer some hard questions. Are y'all ready for this? We're going to answer some hard questions here. Does this mean that we take our Bibles, we pick them up, and we rip out the Old Testament and say, we aren't under this anymore? The words biblically, I believe, are by no means. Or if you're KJV, God forbid. No, that is not how it works. The law is still true. It is just it is good. Jesus was clear about this in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 17 through 19 says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Listen to this verse. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. The word says that we are released from the law. But Christ makes it clear that we don't throw it away and abolish it. And we don't tell people, relax that. It's fine. We do not become antinomian. We do not become, do whatever you want, you're fine, you're under grace. We cannot become that. Because the Word of God is the truth. Christ, listen, listen to this clearly. Christ is the truth. Fulfillment. And more than that, Christ is the only one who has done them. The Old Testament laws, he has done them. In Christ, we are released. What are we released from? Through Christ, we are released from the righteous requirement of the law, which is... God's eternal wrath and punishment for sin. We have been released. Those who are not in Christ have not been released 
from the righteous requirement of the law and the wrath and punishment of God remains on them for sin. In Christ, we are released. The next phrase says this, having died to that which held us captive. Paul has told us over and over and over again in Romans this same concept that this is what Jesus accomplished on the cross, that we have died to that which holds us captive, our death to sin with Christ. If we are in him, we have died to sin. Sin held us in bondage as slaves. Christ has set us free from that bondage once Forever, if you are in Christ. Period. Now, does this lead us to a life of doing whatever we want? It's okay. I said my prayer. I'm good. If it does, question yourself. Examine your heart of stone, which has not been replaced with a heart of flesh, because it is impossible, according, according to Paul. Absolutely impossible. Because listen to what this next phrase says. So that we serve in the new way of the spirit. And not in the old way of the written code. We serve in a new way. We are not released from service. There's just a new guideline. The way in which we serve is much different. Because you must understand before Christ, you served failing constantly. I served failing constantly because I could not meet the righteous requirement of the law and fulfill it fully because only Christ had the ability to do that. But what has changed is not my service. What has changed is how I serve. We serve in a new way. Our sanctification comes not from our own awesome abilities to fulfill and follow 613 laws written in the Old Testament. Why? Y'all ready for this? Because we can't. Nobody could except Jesus. We are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit who is at work in us to sanctify us in the most amazing way. What is that amazing way? Through the word of we have it in our hands. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That was Jesus praying. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. But listen to what he says about the Holy Spirit as well. He says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. 
So if we listen to what Jesus prays, if he says that the word is truth, isn't it amazing that in Psalm 119 this morning, one of the phrases was, your word is all of truth. And if the Holy Spirit is leading us into all truth, the Holy Spirit is leading us into the word of God, which has the clear revelation of who God is. It has a clear revelation of how we are to live. It has a clear revelation of who the Son of God is and the plan of redemption that is revealed in this word. And that's where he's leading us. We are clothed in his righteousness. And he is working out our salvation within us. The Holy Spirit is working out our salvation within us. And we depend not on our own ability, but on his. And guess what? He's got much more ability than I do. I have no ability within myself to be good enough to please the holiest God. But I have the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, a member fully of the Godhead living in me, sanctifying me, leading me to the truth. I'm clothed in his righteousness and filled with his spirit. Now, let's come to the most important part of the sermon. What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? Why is this so important to us right now? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's dig. Y'all ready? First of all, these verses are a picture of the gospel. It's the gospel. In two verses, it's the gospel. Are you ready? Let me give it to you. A holy God gave us holy laws. We are absolutely sinful and we have no ability to keep those laws. What does that point to? Our depravity and our need for a mediator. Somebody to stand between God and man and reconcile us. And guess what happened? Christ came and died for us. And in being born again, I died with him to sin. And I'm alive with Christ. So now we are all set free from the righteous wrath required to punish lawbreakers. Was I a lawbreaker? Yep. Almost every breath. Do I still fight my sin nature? Do I still kill sin where it stands? Yeah. It's still there. But guess what? I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ and he is my mediator. Secondly, the law points out the sinfulness of sin. Okay? That's what the law does. Sin is absolutely 100% offensive to a holy God. It is offensive to him. The law shows us this. Read the law. Somebody caught in the act of adultery, what do you do? Stone them. 
Somebody caught committing child sacrifice. What do you do? Stone them. Somebody caught abusing a woman. What happens? Stone them. The law is something serious. It points out the sinfulness of sin. But listen, though it be tough, though it be rough, though it be hard to deal with, the law is absolutely necessary for us to understand who Christ is and what he has done. What has he done? He has set us free from the righteous requirement of it. In Christ, thirdly, we are released from the law, but not to lawlessness. That's a mistake we're making a lot of times in the modern church. That's a mistake I have in my life had to repent for very, very vehemently. The word serve is used in this verse, right? And we talked about that. We have things that we will do if we are born again. We will do them. I will go even as farther to say we must do them. There are commands that we should follow. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He will confront us with the word and the truth that is contained within it. And he will conform us to the image of the Son. Y'all with me in saying thank God for the Holy Spirit? Because without him I don't have the ability. So that's when we go to number four. The work and power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us is contained in this verse. If we were trying to follow the law in our own power, we would constantly be failing miserably. It's like that gospel we talked about last week, the be a good person gospel. The, the people who look outside at Christianity and say, what? It's just like every other religion. You just be a good person. No, Christianity realizes we are not good people. If we're a Christian, we are a saved people. What are we saved from? Many people say we're saved from ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's a true statement. I can agree with that. We are saved from the wrath of God for sin. That's what we're saved from. Because we know we are deserving of it. But God, through Christ, doesn't give us what we deserve. He gave Christ what we deserve. That's beautiful. That's a love that's so amazing that it's hard to even fathom. Lastly, this but now text gives us great hope of an absolute assurance that we can trust. You see, the power and work of Christ, we understand, has set us free from the righteous requirement of the law. Without his work, we are not free. We don't work it ourselves. He has already worked it. 
And now through the drawing of Christ, through the drawing of God, I have come. And I have repented and placed my trust in Christ. He has taken out my heart of stone and given me a heart of flesh. He has made me alive when I was dead in trespasses. That power is all his and none of mine. It's all his. He's done the work. But here's the thing. Even in Christ, I cannot trust myself. I can't place my hope in me. Because as Brian Chappelle accurately teaches, the be a good person gospel leads you to two places. Pride. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. Pride. That's destructive. Or despair. I could never do it. We understand that Christ has done it. I don't have it on here, but one of my favorite quotes of Spurgeon ever was, the God who has been sufficient until now should be trusted to the end. If I can trust Christ to redeem me and save me, I must trust God to keep me through the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God keeping me. And when I fail, his blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The wrath of God is completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. I was once your enemy, but now I'm a son who is seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. There is no greater agent of power to keep you than the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Study his word, know his word. But reading his word every day is not, is not what's keeping me. It's the Holy Spirit living in me. Reading his word is helping the Holy Spirit in his work to keep me. But it's him doing it. Praying enough will never keep me. But in prayer, I'm comforted in the fact of knowing that the Holy Spirit is with me. And that as I lift up my supplications to God, whether the answer is yes, no, maybe, or later, the Holy Spirit is still keeping me and I am still seated at his table. In my acts of doing good works, of doing good things for people, of giving, that's not keeping me. The Holy Spirit is keeping me. Because he is leading me to the works that God has prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. He is keeping you. And this beautiful verse points to that clearly. I want to pray for us. Because if there's one thing that I feel pretty passionate about right now in my life, it's that I need to be assured of the salvation that Christ has saved me with. And I want you to be assured of his power to keep you through the Holy Spirit. You see, we diminish the Holy Spirit when we make it the goosebump I feel. Or a leading that tells me to make this choice or that choice. The Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, is the helper who is leading us into all truth. Through the Word of God, he is God. He is not a goosebump. He is God. And he is worthy of our worship.
Y'all ever heard that before? That's, that's something we don't hear very often. He is worthy of our worship. And he is right now, if you are in Christ, he's living in you. And if you are not in Christ and you hear this sermon, I pray that he is pricking your heart. He is convicting you of the sin and pointing you to a God who can save you. A mediator who can set you free from sin. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly, knowing that before you, there was no hope for us. We were worthless. We were sinners. We were depraved and wretched. There was no good thing in us. We were not good. We were not righteous. We did not seek you. We loved our evil. We loved our sin. But thank you, Jesus, that we have been drawn, that our hearts have been pricked and convicted, and we have repented and placed our trust in Christ. And now we are forever set free from that sin. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We could never thank you enough. Right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, give us the assurance that, God, if you've been good enough to redeem us, Jesus, if you've had enough power and work to set us free from our sins, then Holy Spirit, you have enough power to keep us and sanctify us and present us holy and blameless before the throne of God, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, a complete work. We can trust you. We can't trust ourselves. Help us to let go of the hope that we place in ourselves and what we can do to be good enough. For God, we know that you have called us to good works. It's clearly in Scripture. So we're going to do good works, but let us not place trust in those good works. Let us place trust wholly and 100% in the love that Jesus Christ has shed forth on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work, that you lead us into all truth, that you are teaching us all things, and you're pointing to the word which points us to you. Father God, right now we ask that you would draw those who may not know you who are listening to this sermon, whether it be right here, right now, or whether it be on a podcast or any other way. God, draw those who are in sin. Sinner, if you hear this, run to Christ. Cling to Christ. He is your only hope. And we thank you, Father, for the awesome power of what you've done in us through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we will give you honor and praise with every breath that comes out of our body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Next week, very special service. We will be doing a baptism. Um, if there's anybody else who needs to be baptized, please let me know. I would love to talk, and we could, we could do that. November 15th, another very special service. We will be having some join our church. If you would like to join our church, Please also let me know because there's some things that we, I would like to go over with you. There's some, some, some things about our faith that we would love to agree on and, and, and have, you, 
teach you on. Uh, Brother Garrett and I did, uh, uh, did membership classes for the person joining and, and also be working with hopefully some others who want to join as well. And we will be welcoming, welcoming them into our community on the 15th. Um, also this month, um, do you have the exact date? I don't have the exact date. Do you know? It's like the last Sunday in November. It's 29th? Okay. Last Sunday in November, November 29th, uh, Brother Garrett will be being ordained as a biblical elder in our church. The biblical elder is actually a late pastor. Somebody who has gone through much learning, and me and him have—it's been a year process. We've we've been we've been doing this training for this moment, and he is ready to step into that role as a discipleship pastor of our church. So we ask that you be praying for him as God moves him into that that ministry, uh, and that you know, it's I, I hope that. His ordination ceremony is all that he would hope for because it's a beautiful thing. Um, also, be praying for any other leaders that may be moving up in our church because we have places to be used. And we want to use you because we've got a world to reach with the gospel. So, we want to do that. But uh, before we go, let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out all of our social media. The links are in the show notes. Catch us next time on another episode of Small Town Pilgrims Podcast.